We're back, bitches, coming at you with another episode of the Hello Sydney podcast, a podcast for horror lovers where we discuss any and all things horror. It's me, Sydney. Uh, so last week I talked about how I was going to see Night Swim, which I sure did. And if you haven't seen my TikTok review on it, yeah, just as disappointing as everybody's saying that it is. That was just, it was so forgettable. I mean, the good thing about that is that was the first movie that, we, or at least the like first mainstream horror movie we had of 2024. So like, I'm hoping that we can only go up for from here? Question mark? I don't really fucking know. If you haven't seen it, I would never tell somebody to not watch a horror movie because we all have different tastes and that's what makes the horror community so great. So like check it out. But again, from what I'm hearing from most people, nobody really seemed to be a fan of it. And yeah, it all just felt really disconnected. I'm not going to give away any spoilers here, but there was like a whole baseball scenario. It was just fucking strange. I don't know. Obviously on this podcast, I really only talk about the movies that I like. So this week I decided that I was going to rewatch the whole Fear Street trilogy. And I feel like I have been doing myself a disservice because the only time I watched these movies was when they came out in 2021. And I have not watched them since. And I haven't honestly even really paid them any attention or given them their credit and what a fucking shame because I forgot how incredible this trilogy is like this is a trilogy where all three of the movies are equally as good and if anything they like get better as they progress and I feel like we're just sleeping on Fear Street like myself included I never really hear anybody talk about these movies and all three are fucking bangers like absolute bangers incredible movies incredible the way that the story unfolds over time so let's give Fear Street some credit and that's what we're talking about today and again like these I think are now going to be an annual rewatch for me and I don't know why they haven't been since they came out but I just it was like blown away like I forgot a lot about them and I'm just blown away by how good they were. In my defense, 2021 was a weird time for me. It was like coming back from COVID. It, it, time didn't exist at that point. So everything was an illusion that whole year I basically blacked out. So anyway, let's just jump right into it. So the first installment of this movie is Fear Street 1994, which I like, I was born in 1995. So growing up in like the late 90s, early 2000s, this was just so nostalgic to me. So Fear Street opens up in this mall. It's called the Shady Side Mall, and we see this girl who's an employee, and it's actually Maya Hawk, aka Robin from Stranger Things. And her name is Heather in this movie. And she's working in this bookstore, and you can tell it's obviously closing time, and she gets a phone call. And it turns out it's this guy, Ryan, who's literally just working in the store over from her. And she's talking to him a little bit, and then he like abruptly hangs up. So she's like, What the fuck, Ryan? So she goes next door to the store that he works at. She doesn't see him. She gets startled by the janitor, whose name is Marty. And Marty's gonna come like into play in like the last movie, really. Um, but she gets startled by Marty, and then Ryan like shows up behind her and just scares the shit out of her. So he was just like playing a prank. So they're talking, and they're like they go their separate ways to go close their own stores. And Ryan's acting kind of weird. He like says to Heather, he's like, "What'd you say?" And Heather's like, "I didn't say anything." And you see this like fly flying around him. So whatever. Heather thinks nothing of it. She goes back to her store. She's like putting some books away, and we, the audience, see this like hooded figure run behind her. And she hears something, and she goes to investigate. And she comes face to face with this hooded figure in a skull mask. So she runs out of the store, and she's calling for Ryan because she knows Ryan is obviously again in the store next door. So she manages to call nine one one. 
but uh, the killer ends up showing up behind her and stabbing her. There's a chase scene. She continues to run. She actually hits him with a lava lamp, which is so fucking 90s. I love it. And she ends up running out and she sees like a bunch of dead bodies like in the food court. So then we see this skull mask guy come out behind her and he's chasing her. And this is a very Scream-esque scene because it's like the same exact thing as the opening from Scream 1 where Casey's running away and the killer comes up behind her and grabs her and stabs her. So that's exactly what happens. So now Heather's on the ground and the killer's on top of her and she goes to pull off his mask. Again, very Scream-esque. But when she pulls off his mask, it's fucking Ryan. And you can tell he's just like super pale. He doesn't look well. He looks really different than he just did like five minutes ago from the beginning of this movie. But at this point, he's stabbed Heather like multiple times. And as he's going to stab her again, he's shot in the head by a cop and he falls over and dies. But Heather also dies. And that's the opening, baby. And then the credits start to roll. So we now see a news report about the massacre at the Shadyside Mall. And they're calling Shadyside the murder capital USA, or they really refer to it as killer capital USA and they're saying like tragedy strikes again and they're going over all these tragedies that have happened before like they talk about the camp nightwing massacre in 1978 but then at the same time simultaneously they're playing another news story about sunnyvale that has been voted the most beautiful place to live and it's just like this town with big houses and stuff and when they're talking about shady side they're going back as far as 1666 about the hanging of a witch so clearly this town has quite an extensive history so then we meet our main character dina and Dina is writing to somebody named Sam and she's saying, Sam, I wish we never met. Like, Sam, fuck off, stuff like that. And she keeps like scribbling it out. Clearly she's like going through a breakup or something. And she goes out into the living room and she finds her dad surrounded by beer cans. So clearly her dad has an alcohol problem. And playing on the TV is the cop who shot Ryan, who ends up being Sheriff Good. He's talking about the mall massacre. Downstairs, we see Dina's younger brother, Josh, and he's like on the computer and he's talking in a chat room and you can see them going back and forth about the tragedies and they're talking about how there was a tragedy in 1953, 1965, 1978, which we already know is the camp massacre. And he makes a comment saying it's her, the witch came back for revenge again. Sarah, Sarah possessed another shady cider. As he's typing all this, he's uh, interrupted by Dina who comes downstairs and you see that he has this like all these like newspaper clippings and stuff on a board. It looks like one of those like conspiracy boards or like an investigation board that they have in like a like police station. And he tries to explain to Dina, like clearly this was the witch. Like she possessed somebody again and possessed this guy to kill everybody in the mall. And Dina's like not believing it. So the two of them go to school and Dina's looking at all of these couples around and she looks sad. So again, clearly she's going through some sort of breakup. And then she goes to her locker and a few lockers down from her is Heather's locker because there's a bunch of like pictures of Heather and it says RIP and whatnot. And she meets up with her friends, Simon and Kate. And they're in the bathroom and there's this like graffiti on the bathroom stall about the witch. So it says some like chant or something that the town has about Sarah Fear the Witch. Simon and Kate, mind you, have this box full of drugs. Like they just are dealing drugs in high school. So that's great for them. So they kind of get into a conversation about the graffiti and about like the legend of the witch. And Dina's like, no, this town is what makes people go crazy, not the witch. Dina then gives Kate this like shoe box and she's like, can you give this to Sam tonight? And Kate's like, absolutely not. Like you're in the band, you're gonna be there. You can give it to Sam yourself. And then we get yet another Scream reference, like in Scream when the people, the kids dress up in the ghost face masks and like run down the hall after Casey and her boyfriend are killed. So the same thing happens. So we see a guy running down the hall saying, long live Sarah Fear and dragging like 
a doll of somebody hanging. So again, Dean is in the band and there's an announcement made that's like, okay, well, tonight's a memorial. So if you're in the band or on the football team or on the cheerleading team, like your, like your attendance is mandatory. So we see Dina and like a bunch of other people getting on the school bus and they're driving to Sunnyvale for this football game between Sunnyvale and Shadyside. As they're driving, we see a sign that says Sunnyvale established 1666. And they're driving by these just like massive houses. You can tell it's just like a super uppity, uppity neighborhood. And they get to the game and the mayor is giving a speech. And we know that we find out that the mayor is the brother of the sheriff and both of them are goods. Their last name is good. G-O-O-D-E. And Mayor Good is giving a speech. As he's giving his speech, Dina looks over and sees this couple like kind of like hugging, like he's like grabbing her ass, they're kissing, and she clearly like gets upset and runs away. So obviously one of those people is her ex, Sam. At this point, they've kept it kind of ambiguous as to like Sam's gender, whether it's a guy or a girl, but now Sam approaches Dina and it's a girl. So Sam approaches Dina and they kind of get into this argument and Dina slides over the shoebox of her stuff back. And Sam's like, Dina, why are you so upset? Like you broke up with me because I moved to Sunnyvale. Like that's not my fucking fault. And they kind of argue and go back and forth. And Dina calls out Sam for being scared to tell anybody about them. So clearly that's an issue. And she's like, and now you're dating a guy. So like, who's really trying to cover up who they actually are? Simultaneously with this, we see like the speech continuing to go on. And now we look at the crowd and there's a couple of like shady side football players that are saying, oh, we should just burn that fucking stupid ass shady side down. Like it's just a bunch of terrible people. And obviously the shady side players don't like that much. So a fight breaks out in the crowd. Meanwhile, Sam and Dina are still arguing back and forth. So they hear the commotion and they run back and we see everybody in the crowd fighting. There's like a bunch of people like punching each other in the face. Kate gets hit in the face. And next thing you know, Shadyside is back on the bus and Kate's kind of giving this speech and it's just like riling everybody up and she's just like, we're gonna kill them. And everybody's like, okay, sure. Dean is clearly super upset still by this whole interaction she had with Sam. So she's not really paying attention, but she's sitting in the back of the bus and she sees this car like speed up behind them. And in the car, she sees Sam with her new boyfriend. So the guys in the car are like throwing bottles at the bus and Dina sees this and obviously gets fucking pissed because Sam's in the car with them. So Dina has this bright idea to grab this like Gatorade cooler that's in the back of the bus and her and Kate open the emergency exit and she's like going to go throw the cooler at the car. But all of a sudden her nose starts bleeding. So she stops. But regardless, it doesn't matter because the Gatorade cooler falls out of the back and hits the car anyway. And we see the car kind of like swerve off and get into a car accident as it drives into the woods. At the same exact time that Dina's nose started bleeding, Sam's nose started bleeding. And we see Sam have this like flash and she sees a couple images. She sees like a fire. She sees this tree. Again, obviously the car crashes and Sam kind of like starts to crawl out. Meanwhile, Dina is like, stop the bus and she runs out and she finds Sam and she asks Dina if she saw, like Sam asked Dina, like, did you see? Before she can really answer, they are interrupted. Um, Dina's boyfriend, Peter, obviously was like in the car and involved in the crash too. So we see the cops show up and Sheriff Good is kind of asking all of them what happened. And everybody like lies to the sheriff, which is kind of great. At least everybody didn't, you know, throw everybody under the bus, literally and figuratively. But they're like, oh, it was just an accident, like no big deal. But then Peter goes to Dina and is like, all you shady siders are fucking dead. Now it zooms in on the dirt because again, remember Sam crawled out of the car and her nose was still bleeding and she bled onto the dirt. So now it zooms in on this dirt and we hear like whispering 
And again, we just see a few visions of different images. So we see like a screaming face, we see the tree. So whatever, we move on. Next shot we see is Dina waking up the next morning and she looks over at her shoe and she sees that there's blood on it, which that's gonna come into play later. Dina goes out into the living room and sees the news playing. And now the news has an update about the Shadyside Mall massacre because they released the identity of the killer as Ryan Torres. And Dina looks kind of shocked. And obviously you can tell that she knew this guy. So she then calls Sam's hospital room and she ends up getting Sam's mom and Sam's mom is mad saying like, don't call here again. So clearly she doesn't really fucking like Dina. So later on, it's now nighttime and Dina hears the doorbell ring. So she answers and nobody's there, but she looks out across the street and she sees somebody in a skull mask. And it's the same exact outfit that the killer from the beginning had on. So Dina thinks that it's Peter, just like who's Sam's boyfriend, just like playing a joke on her. And she's like, okay, fuck you, Peter. Closes the door, goes back in, thinks nothing of it. But then she's in the kitchen and she looks outside and sees the same person, this time with a bloody knife in the backyard. And she goes outside and once again yells at him, like, fuck off, Peter. Meanwhile, across the way, Kate doesn't live much further from Dina. And we see her like babysitting and she's there with Simon. So Dina calls Kate, or actually she pages her, if you're old enough to understand what that means. And, uh, they end up calling each other and Dina tells her Peter's fucking with me he's like standing outside in the skull mask and Kate goes to tell Simon that and Simon also has this shirt on that he had on the day before that had some of Sam's blood on it from the accident so as they're in the house they hear a window break and they go to investigate it and they find the door open and they find all this like furniture and all this clothes being thrown and they find the skull mask person in the living room so Kate now also thinks it's Peter and she turns away for a second and when she looks back he's obviously disappeared because it's a horror movie that's usually what happens so kate drops the kids that she's babysitting off at another neighbor's house and she goes to dina's and they're just like okay we got to get this motherfucker back like clearly this is peter fucking with us and dina's like you know what i'm confronting sam about her lame ass boyfriend so dina kate simon and dina's brother josh all go to the hospital that sam's at they try to tell them it's like past visiting hours they can't go in but kate ends up getting an in with this person called nurse betty which his name is eddie but he puts a b in front of it and like he buys drugs off Kate and Simon. So he's like, okay, like, yeah, you can go and see Sam in exchange for drugs, LOL. So Dina goes in to see Sam and she's like, dude, your boyfriend's a fucking psychopath. Like tell him to knock it off and explains the whole thing. And Sam's like, Peter's been here the whole time. It couldn't have been him. And then meanwhile, Peter steps out from behind this curtain and is like, yeah, what are you saying I did? And Sam's like, yeah, he's literally been here all day. Like that's not Peter. So now Sam and Dina are like kind of arguing back and forth. And in the mid argument, Peter gets fucking killed by somebody in the skull mask. Like literally he's just watching Dina and Sam argue and somebody just comes up behind him and fucking stabs him. RIP Peter, you sucked anyway, nobody misses you. So now Dina and Sam run away and the skull mask person chases them. And then Kate, Simon and Josh see this happening too. And they end up running outside and they steal an ambulance. While this is happening, Dina and Sam are still inside and they go to hide at the front desk and they see the nurse dead and they also like the front desk nurse dead and they also see Skull Mask kill Nurse Betty. So a chase ensues and the killer ends up grabbing Sam and they manage to unmask him and it's fucking Ryan Torres, the same guy that killed everybody in the beginning that was killed and shot in the head by Sheriff Good. So they unmask him and it's Ryan, but this time he has a bullet wound in his head. Sam and Dina manage to get away from him and they run into the ambulance and all of them drive off. So they drive straight to the police station where we see Martin in jail, who Marty is the janitor from the beginning. And now Sam and Dina are telling one of the police officers that it was Ryan. They're like, we know for a fact it was Ryan. And he's like, I don't believe you. Like this is Ryan. 
this is Ryan, and they show him a picture of Ryan's dead body. Dina insists, obviously, again, nobody believes her, and then Dina sees that the cop has a gun, obviously, as cops do, and Dina, as they're walking out or really being escorted out by the cops, like, attacks the cop, and he, like, pushes her off and is like, get out of here, but turns out it was just a ploy to steal his gun because now we see that his gun is gone. As this is happening, Simon's outside, and he sees this girl sitting on the sidewalk, and he approaches her, and she turns to him, and it turns out she has this scar on her face, and she just pulls out this fucking razor and like cuts his ankle and starts attacking him. He tries to run away, but she gets on top of him and literally has a razor at him like and is attacking him directly in the road and as she goes to like stab him with this razor Dina shoots her. Simon runs away and they look back and they see this girl despite getting shot in the fucking eye she has this like black blood bleeding from her and she just like gets up like nothing fucking happened. So they escape and then the group kind of like reconvenes and Simon's talking about how he was attacked with this girl by this girl with a razor and Josh kind of perks up at that when he says that he was attacked by a razor and he's like was she singing a song? And Simon's like, yeah, how did you know that? She was singing some creepy ass song as she was attacking me. Now remember, Josh has all those newspaper clippings and he clearly knows the history of Shady Side. So he pulls this clipping from the board of this girl named Ruby Lane. And this girl like turned out in 1965, murdered her boyfriend, a bunch of her friends, and then ultimately slashed her wrists and killed herself. So he shows Simon the picture and that's like, he's like, holy shit, that's the girl that just attacked me. But this was in 1965, like how is this possible? So then Josh kind of starts going over other crimes that happened. So again, the camp murders from 1978, 1935, 1904, like a bunch of different people just like kind of snapped and killed a whole bunch of people. And he says every few years, this happens in Shadyside, like, normal people turn into psychopaths. And then he talks about how the first recorded incident of this was in 1666 when the pastor killed a whole bunch of kids and cut out their eyes. And Josh goes on to say that these killings are not random. He believes that it's Sarah Fear who was hanged in 1666 for witchcraft. And he believes that she is possessing people because she's taking revenge on the town. And the legend goes that she cut off her own hand to keep a grip on the land. That's like one of the rhymes or whatever that the town has. And she reaches beyond the grave to make men her wicked slaves. So at this point, Dina and Sam had kind of separated from the group and they reconciled a little bit. And then Sam comes in as they're talking about Sarah Fear and she's like, I saw her. And she's talking about how when she was in the woods and she had those visions, like she had a vision of the witch. So the group is like, okay, let's go to the site where this happened. So they go to the site where the car accident was and Sam finds these chains in the ground and she finds this lock that says Fear, which is Sarah's last name, F-I-E-R. So they find this and they understand that this is Sarah Fear's grave. And they put together that Sam disturbed her grave by bleeding on it. So now her henchmen are after them. So they like rebury the body thinking this is going to solve things. But then Sam's nose starts bleeding again. And we again see a flash or a vision of this tree and a woman. And we hear the vo a voice saying, it's you. But as this is happening, this guy in a fucking terrifying like sack over his face comes out of the woods with an ax and runs directly at Sam. Now, when he does this, he runs clear past Josh and the others and he only goes for Sam and it turns out that this is the camp Nightwing killer from 1978 and again obviously Josh knows that because he knows the history of the town unlike everybody else so now they get in the ambulance and they drive away and the group puts together that the witch wants her she, like wants Sam she wants Sam dead so now they're coming for Sam and the reason that Ruby attacked Simon was because he was wearing a shirt with Sam's blood on it and the reason that the skull mask came to 
um, what do you call her, Dina's house was because Dina had her sneakers with Sam's blood on it. So basically Sam's fucked. So meanwhile, we see the sheriff go to the hospital and he finds the dead bodies of the nurses. And he also sees Ruby's blood in the street and finds Ruby's locket. So he's like, how the, like, what the fuck is going on? So now the group comes up with this plan and they end up going to the school and they get like the lost and found clothing and they're changing clothes because they're like, okay, well, if we have any ounce of Sam's blood on us, like we're fucked. So we got to change. And Josh and Kate have like this moment. Josh is obviously in love with her. Meanwhile, in a separate area, Sam apologizes to Dina for like leaving her and for being somebody that she's not. And they like kiss and make up. And then Kate and Josh, we see them going to kiss in the bathroom. And then Simon's just like alone dancing around like a fucking weirdo. So both couples come out at the same time. And Simon looks at all of them and was like, did you all go to pound town? (laughs) Which is like, ridiculous and Kate's like oh it was barely first base but clearly obviously everybody hooked up with each other except for poor Simon so now the group starts setting this trap for these killers and they make a lot of Jaws references with the blood and um, they start like mopping the floor with Sam's blood so Sam bleeds into this bucket mixes her blood with the water and they start marking the floor and like making a trail basically with Sam's blood and then Sam goes to hide in the bathroom and wait it out So now we see a hooded figure run by and Simon sees Ruby and like hears her singing and she just walks straight past him. And then we see Skull Mask come, we see the axe killer and they all walk by the other people. They want nothing to do with them. They only specifically want Sam. So the plan works and they follow the trail of blood, which they have the trail of blood leading to the bathroom. So once all the killers are in the bathroom, Sam crawls through this vent and gets out and the others lock them in the bathroom and set it on fire. And it works. It actually works. All the killers literally burn to death. And when the group goes in, everything's just like in ashes. But all of a sudden they see the bodies with like through the ashes starting to form back together and the killers fucking reanimate and come back to life. So at this point they understand that there is no getting out of this. So Kate actually looks at them and is like, I think we just need to sacrifice Sam. Like, sorry, girl, but We're not going to fucking go down for you. Dina obviously gets super pissed, but Sam actually is the one to agree and is like, yeah, I can't have you guys die for me. And she just straight up walks out and just like waits in the fucking hallway for the killers to come take her because she obviously doesn't see another way out of this. But Josh, meanwhile, being like really the only logical one here, at least the most logical one here, sees one of his newspaper clippings of this woman named C. Berman. Outside, we see Sam with like the axe man approaching. And like this axe man, mind you, is like terrifying because he's the only one that runs. Like he fucking full sprints towards his victims with this axe and this like sack over his head. It's actually terrifying. Mind you, this will come up later. He's wearing a yellow t-shirt and a red plaid shirt. But right before he is able to kill Sam, they come out and grab her and pull her back into the room and lock the door. Because it turns out that through this article, Josh has seen that there was one survivor named C. Berman and she survived the 1978 camp massacre. And she said that she saw the witch. So they call her and it goes straight to voicemail. But Dina like leaves her a message and is like, this is happening. Like we know you survived. We need your help. And then as they continue looking through the article they notice that this that c berman actually died first and she was brought back to life with cpr so they're like okay she survived by dying so that's exactly what we need to do here because one of the whole like things or legends with the witch is she'll follow you until you're dead so if you die she'll stop following you so now they understand that they basically have to kill sam and then bring her back to life And then as they're coming to terms with that, we see Sheriff Good leaving a note in somebody's mail slot. We don't find out who's until later, but the note 
just says it's happening again. So clearly Sheriff Good has some history with this and he this is not his first rodeo. So now the group leaves the school in the nick of time as all of the killers are breaking into the room that they're in and they go to the supermarket where Simon works. And Simon actually tells him about his brother Timothy who OD'd on a bunch of drugs and died for two minutes before he was brought back with adrenaline. So he pulls out all these drugs and is explaining to her like, okay, this pile you have to take, this pile you have to take, and then you have to wait five minutes before taking this pile. It's going to kill you. You're going to overdose. And then we have a bunch of EpiPens that we'll use that will bring you back. Seems like a foolproof plan. So the rest of the group takes like part of Sam's blood again, like some of Sam's blood and draws on their shirts with them so that they can like distract the killers. So Kate, Simon, and Josh do this as Dina stays with Sam as she starts to take all of these pills. So the group splits up so that they're in separate places to distract the killers. And meanwhile, like Dina and Sam are having this moment and they're talking about, you know, like when this is over, we're going to leave this place and Sam starts taking the pills. So now we hear Ruby singing in the distance and Sam takes the first couple piles and she's like, okay, now we have to wait five minutes in between. So during this five minutes, Sam's already vomiting. She's all sorts of fucked up. As they're sitting there waiting for the five minutes, the skull mask killer runs up behind them, but Kate comes out of nowhere and fucking sets him on fire with like a lighter and a can of hairspray. So Kate after this runs to hide and again, she has Sam's blood on her. So now Skull Mask goes after her and she's hiding and out of nowhere, Skull Mask comes up and grabs her from her hair. He goes to stab her. She fights him off and a fight ensues between the two of them. And Dina at this point realizes like, I need to kill Sam faster. Like this is taking too much time. We don't have five minutes in between. So she drags her over to a lobster tank and she starts to fucking drown her. As this is happening, we also see Ruby Lane show up and attack Simon yet again. And he stabs her in the throat. But as we know, she doesn't fucking die. And then we see the ax man going after Josh and he runs away. Poor Josh has what I think is like the scariest fucking killer because again, he just runs full speed at these motherfuckers. So then we see the struggle still going on between Skull Mask and Kate and he stabs her and she still manages to fight. But then comes what I believe to be one of the most visceral and gruesome deaths in horror history. Skull Mask takes Kate, picks her up and puts her on this counter and there's a bread slicer on the counter and he takes her and literally just puts her head through the fucking bread slicer and she gets completely shredded and she dies. Now, obviously this has been kind of violent up until this point, but it was at this point in the movie where I truly realized like this movie was absolutely fucking ruthless. Like obviously these movies are based off of R.L. Stein's books, which like so are Goosebumps. So I went into these movies thinking it was going to be more for like a teenage audience, you know, it was going to be kind of tame. And then I saw that and I was like, all bets are fucking off, baby. Like, we don't know. Anything could happen. I do remember watching this for the first time and my jaw dropped to the fucking ground. Like, I, nobody's safe. R.I.P. Sam. So now Josh and Simon show up and they see her body. Josh is obviously devastated because he loves her. And before they even have time to process what's going on, the axe man shows up and fucking kills Simon. Literally axe to the head, Simon dies while they're distracted by seeing Kate's body. That's also when I knew all bets are off because you think like the main group, you always think the main group is going to survive. You know, it's like the core four, like you always think they're going to survive. And then when like not one, but two of them fucking die within a two minute span, again, ruthless, all bets are off. Nobody is safe. So now all three of the killers start to close in around Josh and we see like Sam still being drowned by Dina and she's like slowly, slowly starting to kind of 
get still and die. And ultimately Sam does die. And the moment she dies, all of the killers just disappear. So now Dean is like, Josh, go grab the EpiPen. So he goes to grab them. And Dean is just like stabbing them all into Sam to revive her. And it just doesn't work. So Dean is obviously like fucking devastated. And she starts to give Sam CPR. And that's what works. So Sam wakes up and she is alive. The plan worked all is well. The killers are gone. They're defeated. And Sam is alive and well. But RIP Kate and Simon. So now Sam, Dina, and Josh end up going to the police station, obviously. And the sheriff is interviewing them. And they're all lying. And they're all telling the same story. So they're saying like they were picking up Sam's prescription from the market. And they hid from the killers until it was all over, basically. And when he asks all of them to explain their injuries, every single one of them says, I fell on some glass. So again, like he knows they're lying, but they're not coming clean. But then the sheriff is like, well you know, Simon and Kate were junkies and they're going to be to blame for this if you don't fucking fess up to what actually happened, which obviously nobody wants to happen. And Josh, Gina and Sam are kind of talking them up, but they were like, no, like they were great people and they were brave and they shouldn't go down for this. But the sheriff is like, yeah, sorry, they are going to go down for it because we have to explain this somehow. And then he also apologizes to Dina for not listening to her earlier when she tried to tell him that Ryan Torres was the killer. So they end up leaving the police station and Sam's mom comes to pick her up, which again, like Sam's mom obviously doesn't like Dina, probably because she knows that Sam is in love with Dina and Sam at this point is just like fuck it and she runs to Dina and kisses her in front of her mother so it's like a happy scene and obviously you can tell Sam is now like more comfortable with who she is and who she loves and we end up back at Dina and Josh's house and the doorbell rings and it's pizza so like Dina kisses Josh she's so happy and you think all is well and all is over until the phone rings (laughs) and Dina goes to answer the phone and it's just a voice saying you're still alive And Dina's like, who is this? And she's like, you called me. Turns out it's C. Berman returning Dina's phone call. And Dina's like, well, thanks for your help. You're a little late, but don't worry, it's over. And C is like, it's never over. She's like, you stopped the killers, but you haven't stopped her and you can't. You're not safe. The witch will never stop. As this is happening, we get this glimpse of this rock and there's a bunch of names carved into this rock. And the last one is Ryan Torres. And directly under his name, we see Sam's name get carved into it. And then we flash back to Dina and we see Sam behind Dina stab her with something and we can clearly tell that Sam is possessed. Meanwhile, Josh is downstairs in his chat room having no idea what happened and whoever, the person in the chat room, which their name is like Queen of Darkness or something, um, she's like, oh yeah, druggies went on a murder spree and Josh corrects her and is like, nope, like, Kate was absolutely fearless. Simon was incredible. He's kind of talking them up, obviously, because now we know like the news has made them look really bad and made it look like this is all their fault. As that's happening, Dina and Sam are still fighting in the kitchen and Dina ends up coming downstairs to get Josh. And when he goes upstairs, he sees that Dina has tied Sam up with a phone cord and she's just like on the floor fucking writhing. She's obviously possessed. And Dina just looks at her and says, I'm going to get you back. Like I will, I will save you. I'm going to get you back. And that's a wrap on movie one, baby. We get a title card saying to be continued now when these came out i think they only came out like a week apart but still like waiting was fucking awful but luckily for you guys you do not have to wait so let's just jump right into part two fear street 1978 honestly i think this one might be my favorite of all of them again like i said in the beginning this is a trilogy where i truly feel like all of them are equally as good but there's just something about this one with like the camp 
aspect of it. Like I just am such a sucker for like 70s, 80s camp movies. So I really love this one. Also the main character in this one is played by Sadie Sink, who I absolutely love from Stranger Things. So let's jump right into it. So this one actually opens up still in 1994 and we're seeing news reports about Ryan and they're still calling Shady Side like Killer Capital USA. And we see this woman watching it and this ends up being C. Berman. And on her table as she's watching this new re news report is the note from Sheriff Good that says it's happening again. So when he put that in the mail slot, it was hers. But she's distracted by this alarm that's going off. And you see there's a bunch of alarms that she has on her table. One's like, remember to eat. Um, another one's like, feed the dog. She goes and locks all of her doors and she has like literally 10 locks on one door. And then she goes to cross off a day on her calendar. And we see day like it, every single day is marked and it's like day 5,980 something. So clearly she's been counting down something for quite some time. So she goes back and she falls asleep on her couch when she hears a knock at the door. And obviously she's like super paranoid. So she doesn't open it, but then she hears a window in her kitchen opening and she sees somebody coming through who she attacks and she pulls in and it, turn it turns out it's fucking Dina and Josh. So Dina takes C out to the car and shows them Sam tied up in the trunk, like writhing and screaming, still clearly possessed. And C. Berman is like, I can't help you. I need you to get off of my property and take this thing away. And Dean is like begging and is like, I love her. I need to save her. And C is just like, you can't stop her and you need to run. It's your only chance. But Dina ultimately begs and C eventually is like, okay, but keep her away from Major Tom, which is her dog. <laughs> So they tie up Sam in the bathroom. And meanwhile, Josh and Dina sit in front of C and she pulls out this book and she talks about how in summer 1978, it was the first day of camp. And a week later, my sister was dead. And now we go back in time to 1978 and we meet this girl named Ziggy who is played by Sadie Sink and she's running through the woods and she's like knocked out by this boy and then she's surrounded by this group of girls and one of the girls says, you're gonna hang, witch. So they bring her up to this tree and they like string her up and the girls say, the bully is saying that she's possessed by the witch and Sarah hanged from this very tree and then Sheila, who's the bully, like burns her with a lighter. As she's burning her, somebody named Nick comes up and saves her and it turns out that this is the child version of Sheriff Nick Good. So this is Nick as a kid. So now we see like one of the counselors trying to kick Ziggy out. He's like, you've obviously stolen things. You've been nothing but difficult this whole time, which like it's only been a day. How has she caused so much ruckus? But Nick ends up like saving her and basically is like, well, if you kick her out, like we're, we're just going to tell what this girl just did. Like she just burned her. So either she goes and everybody goes or she fucking stays. So she ends up staying and Ziggy runs away and Nick follows after her and she's like, okay, future police chief Nick good. So this is when we find out obviously that this is the sheriff as a kid. And you can tell Ziggy's clearly like one of those rebellious kids like she basically like flips off Nick and runs away like she gives no fucks that he just saved her and then we see another two camp counselors so this time it's Tommy and Cindy and they're a bit older they're cleaning the bathroom and it turns out it's Cindy Berman that's Cindy's name so C Berman so they're cleaning the outhouses and Cindy is like where are they and she walks in on these two other counselors having sex and it turns out it's Alice and her boyfriend so Alice and her boyfriend clearly are very rebellious and they're like smoking cigarettes and she tells Cindy like get me drugs and will work and then they like call Cindy a snitch so obviously there's some history here that we don't find out until later. Meanwhile Ziggy goes to see the nurse who we call Nurse Lane because she is burned so she goes to get some help for that and mind you Nurse Lane like Ruby Lane. 
So Ziggy walks in and she finds this book and in the book is like this symbol and she sees a newspaper clipping of Ruby. But as she's looking at this, she gets distracted by the nurse and the nurse ends up coming up to Ziggy and like helps her with the burn. And Ziggy asks her while she's doing this, like, what is the witch's mark? Because that's the symbol that she just saw in the book. And um, she asks, like Nurse Lane asks Ziggy, like, do you know about my daughter, Ruby? And Cindy or Ziggy's like, yeah, she like killed seven people. And the nurse is like, no, she killed eight people because she killed seven people and then herself. And the doctor said it was a psychotic episode, but the kids think that Sarah Fear possessed her. As she's talking about this, you can tell that she's kind of almost in like a trance-like state as she's like wrapping Ziggy with a bandage and she ends up like hurting her and then Ziggy ends up getting her to snap out of it. So Ziggy comes out and she finds Cindy, her sister, and Cindy's like kind of like trying to reprimand her for what just went down and Ziggy's not paying any attention to it and she's telling her like Nurse Lane was really upset. Like, do you think something happened to her? But regardless, Cindy He's like, again, reprimanding her for almost getting kicked out. And the two of them kind of go back and forth and they're arguing. And then we cut to Cindy cleaning the floor in the mess hall. And she's talking about how her and Alice used to be friends when they were 12. And she's like angry, angrily scrubbing the floor while her boyfriend Tommy's there. And she's kind of just like venting to him about all this stuff. She's so angrily scrubbing that the sponge literally breaks in half. So she goes to get another one. And when she's in the back doing this, we see this like figure walk by. And in the kitchen, we see this drawer of knives that's just open. So Cindy goes back into the main mess hall where she finds Tommy and then they see Nurse Lane walk in and she's acting super weird and she looks at Tommy and she says, I can't save you. And she tells him that she saw his name on the wall and she attacks him with a knife and tries to stab him. So Tommy manages to throw her off. But like clearly this woman just had a breakdown. So the cops come and they take her away. And when she attacked Tommy, she also said one way or another, you're going to die tonight, which is like super fucking cryptic. As the cops are there, we see one of the officers apologize to Nick about his dad. So obviously we learned that Nick's dad was also a cop and it turns out he was also the sheriff. And clearly he's now dead. But then meanwhile, we see Sheila go up to Ziggy and tells her like, oh, you should go check your stuff, like kind of taunting her. So clearly they're they're fucking with her. So then we see Tommy and Cindy like sitting, eating with their friends and they're kind of talking about the whole incident. And the friends are kind of just like making a joke about it. But Tommy is clearly really fucking freaked out, which like I would be too if somebody just told me one way or another, you're gonna die tonight. Like what the fuck? So then Kurt, who's one of the older counselors, who's also from Sunnyvale comes in and he announces this color war. So basically it's like a shady side versus Sunnyvale thing and it's like a cat the first event is capture the flag and that's happening tonight so now we see ziggy and cindy arguing yet again and uh cindy asks ziggy if nurse lane said anything when you saw her and cindy's like or ziggy's like i told you that something was up with her and you didn't fucking listen to me at the time meanwhile we see tommy kind of starting to act weird like he's kind of hearing these whisperings and he's just looking like more and more disturbed so ziggy and cindy continue to argue and ziggy basically is like nurse lane was the only person here who was nice to me and like i blame shady side for all of this shit and like they start talking about their family life. So their dad left, their mom started drinking, they're losing the house. And Ziggy's basically like, we're all cursed and you're just trying to avoid it. And you're trying to be preppy, like one of those fucking sunny veilers and you're not, you're a shady sider and you always will be. So this makes Cindy start crying and she tells Ziggy that she's a monster. And Ziggy's like, yeah, that's what everybody says because then she opens her cabin and there's a bunch of graffiti on her like bedroom wall saying like monster or witch. So obviously Sheila and the other bullies did this to Ziggy. So then we cut to Tommy again and he's now explaining the game of capture the flag to a bunch of the kids and like mid explaining, 
lightning, he just stops speaking and we see that he's like hearing voices and he is again, just acting super weird. And he says that his head is throbbing. So Cindy sees this and they kind of again, just like ignore it. And she makes Tommy go to the infirmary with her because she's like, we're going to look for answers. And they're just, she's basically just trying to find an explanation as to why Nurse Lane just had a fucking breakdown. Like she thinks she was on drugs or something. So they go into the infirmary and they find the book, the same book that Ziggy had seen earlier with the witch's mark in it. And all of a sudden they hear this glass break and they turn and it's Alice and her boyfriend breaking in, which they're breaking in for drugs. So Alice straight up just steals the book out of their hand and Alice is reading it. And basically it's saying that the curse will last until the body and hand reunite. And then she also sees that there's a map drawn out in it and it's a map of the camp. And there's a map that just like on the map, it just says Sarah fear. So they're like, okay, maybe that's where her body is buried or something like, or wherever, like, let's just go and find it. So Alice and her boyfriend run off with the book. So Cindy is like, okay, Tommy, we have to go find them. And meanwhile, Tommy is still hearing whispering, but he runs off with Cindy to go find them anyway. So now cutting back to Ziggy, Nick comes to see her and she's like pouring paint into a bucket. And basically she's explaining to Nick that this is how she's going to get back at Sheila. And Nick is like, well, I have a better idea. And like, they start talking about how they both read Stephen King books and shit, which Ziggy's surprised because she didn't think Nick was like into that. Meanwhile, back in the woods, we see the group. So it's Alice and her boyfriend, whose name is Arnie. I don't know if I said that yet. And Cindy and Tommy, they're just like walking through the woods, trying to follow this map. And Tommy again, just looks increasingly ill. And at this point, we now realize that his outfit looks a little familiar because he's wearing a yellow camp shirt with a red plaid shirt on top of it. And if you remember, that's what the axe killer was wearing in the first movie. So now the four of them stumble upon what they initially think to be a bunch of graves dug out. But as they're looking at it, they realize that it was Nurse Lane digging and they think that she was looking for the missing hand. So remember the legend has it like she cut off her hand to keep a grip on the land. So at this point, Alice and Cindy start arguing a little bit again. And Alice is telling Cindy like you used to be fun and honestly she's right because Cindy has been an uptight bitch this entire time but as they're arguing they're distracted by Arnie saying that he found the witch's house so they find these stairs going towards like to underground and obviously it's a horror movie so they fucking go and when they get down there they find a house but they can tell that somebody's been there recently because there's candles that have been burned again it seems like pretty recently so they all follow or at least Arnie Cindy and Alice follow through this like trap door in the house and they find the witch's mark engraved in the ground. And basically through seeing this and through looking at the book, they understand that a deal was made by the devil and Sarah cut off her hand in exchange for eternal life and her blood cursed the land. So as the three of them are finding this out back upstairs, Tommy is just sitting there again, completely unwell. He's sitting like catatonically looking off into the distance. And Cindy underground hears like whispering. And at the same time, Alice finds the names etched on a stone. So she sees all these names etched on a stone, which we saw from the first movie. We saw Ryan's name be etched in a stone and then Sam's. So Alice finds this and she notices that all the names etched in the stone are the names of all of the shady side killers that have come before. And the next name is Tommy's. At the same exact moment that they find that, Arnie goes upstairs and approaches Tommy and Tommy grabs an ax and fucking kills him. Cindy and Alice come upstairs just in time to see this happening and the two of them run off back underground because again Tommy's like blocking the exit so they can't just go up. So Tommy starts to chase them but they crawl through this like tunnel and as they do that it collapses and all of the rocks fall on top of Tommy. So obviously Alice just watched her boyfriend get killed and Cindy just watched her boyfriend kill Alice's boyfriend and then like come after them and she thinks that he was crushed but they can hear him still breathing so he's still alive. And we see that he ends up leaving the house and he goes towards Camp Nightwing, now armed with his fucking axe. 
Meanwhile, it's now nighttime and the kids are playing capture the flag in the middle of the woods. So we're back at the camp and we see Sheila get this note saying, meet me in the bathroom from Will. So she goes to the bathroom and she finds a note there. She thinks it's like all romantic. There's like candles and shit. And she finds another note that says, look up. And it turns out it's a bucket of fucking like cockroaches and bugs and shit. And Nick, like Nick and Ziggy, like planned this and they lock her in and she like has all these bugs pouring all over her. It's fucking disgusting. Mind you, everybody is oblivious to what just happened back in the witch's house because Alice and Cindy are still like in this tunnel or whatever. And Alice is like, we're going to die down here. And Cindy's like, no, we can't. Like he just, he definitely just went towards camp and like the campers are in danger and my sister's there. Like we need to get out and we need to warn everybody. Alice again, obviously distraught at this point is saying that like, He was possessed by the witch and Cindy's at this point like denying it. She's like, no, that's not real. He must have like done drugs or maybe he took something and Alice is like, snap out of it, bitch. Like clearly he wasn't fucking doing any drugs. So Cindy and Alice still have that book and they look at the witch's mark and they notice that the cavern is in the same exact exact shape. So the witch's mark is a map. Back at the camp, we see Tommy like attack and kill this nerd, nerdy kid named Jeremy, which is actually really sad. Like, why couldn't you have killed one of the bullies? Like, why'd it have to be fucking Jeremy? He did nothing wrong. But again, the killers only go after shady siders and all of the bullies are Sunnyvalers. So now we see Ziggy and Nick together. And like, obviously they've kind of bonded over this whole like pouring bugs on top of Sheila thing. And they're asking each other a bunch of questions and it's getting kind of flirty. But Nick asked Ziggy about her relationship with her sister and Ziggy explains how like it was good, but then it turned to shit and whatever. She clearly doesn't really want to talk about it. But then Nick starts saying how his dad dropped a burden on him by expecting him to take his place like as sheriff of the town. And he doesn't really want to be that person. So whatever, there's like this moment between them and the two of them kiss and it's all sweet until they hear screaming. They follow the screaming to go out and find that everybody's discovered Jeremy's dead body. Now back with Alice and Cindy, Alice is asking Cindy, like if you have to kill him, like if the time comes and you have to kill him, could you? Obviously talking about Tommy. And Cindy says no. And she's talking about how when Nurse Lane attacked Tommy, she just completely froze and she thinks that she would do the same thing. So they're continuing to walk through this tunnel. They're They're following this map that they have and they come across this like, creature thing embedded in the cave and it looks like it has like a heartbeat like it's obviously like moving up and down and Alice goes to touch it and when she does she sees flashes of all the killers and like all of the dead people who have been killed by like in all these massacres and she obviously like panics and starts running as she's running she just continues to see like visions of all the dead people and she ends up falling and breaking her ankle back at the main cabin everybody they gather everybody to the mess hall but they count and there's people still missing because again kids are playing capture the flag so a bunch of people are out in the woods and of course like the lights have been cut out at this point so they're in darkness and Nick and this other counselor Gary go out to find the others so Ziggy's left in the mess hall and the bullies come up to her and they're like where is Sheila and Ziggy's like oh fuck like we forgot Sheila so she runs to the outhouse to go save Sheila basically from the situation that she put her in which like Sheila totally fucking deserved it obviously but I get why Ziggy now has to go save her so now we cut to Kurt and another one of the female counselors having sex and Kurt's like you better not tell anybody about this because he's a sunny veiler and she's a shady sider and god forbid he copulates with the shady side trash you know so as this is happening we see a figure walk by outside which they don't notice and Kurt goes to shower and while he's doing that Tommy comes in and kills the girl axe to the face blood everywhere violently kills her so Alice again like has now panicked 
panicked. She has a broken ankle and she tells Cindy that she's next. And Cindy at this point admits to like being a snitch and everything that Alice has been telling her at this point. And she also admits that she's been trying to be somebody else and she's been trying to run from Shadyside. But Ziggy has always been a constant reminder of the truth because she calls her out all the time. And the truth is that they are all cursed she finally admits it and cindy is like i should have had fun i should have had sex i shouldn't have been so uptight but then alice is like yeah well don't worry the fun is all fake too and she like takes off her bracelets to reveal these scars from cutting herself so just basically everybody in shady side is miserable and depressed as fuck because they're all cursed and terrible things happen to them all the time so earlier when cindy and tommy were cleaning the outhouse before he like absolutely snapped and went insane she had there's like she saw this moss that ended up staining her shirt and now in the cave she sees this moss coming down and she looks up and sees this opening and realizes they are directly under the outhouse back at the camp we see tommy kill two other shady side kids in a cabin and then ziggy goes to get sheila sheila like attacks her and she's trying to explain like no i'm here to help you like there's a fucking killer but she doesn't care so she just fucking runs out which like whatever fuck that bitch so Ziggy and Gary, who's with her, who's one of the camp counselors, hears screaming from below and they look down one of the toilets and they see Alice and Cindy all the way down. Meanwhile, Nick is still like wrangling up all these kids and he walks into the cabin where he finds the body parts of the last two kids that... Um, what's his name? Tommy just killed and he vomits. Meanwhile, Kurt finds him and is panicked and he's covered in blood. And he's like, I just came out and she was dead talking about the girl that Tommy had just killed. Back in the outhouse, Ziggy sends down a bucket and uh, Cindy has Alice go up first because obviously she's injured. They've kind of done like a makeshift bandage around her ankle. But as they're pulling Alice up, Tommy comes in and fucking kills Gary, which leads them to drop the bucket and Alice falls to the ground and she's obviously already injured and now she's injured even more. So so Ziggy runs and Cindy is like watching this helplessly from underneath and she's like screaming for Ziggy and now they have no fucking idea how they're going to get out. So Ziggy runs and she ends up running into Nick and the two of them hide in one of the cabins. At this point, they discuss that it's only the shady siders that seem to be getting killed. So Ziggy tells Nick it's the curse and it's the witch. Like that's got it. That's the only explanation. As they're talking about this, we see Tommy breaking in. So now he's coming for them. So he also breaks this like snake tank. And earlier Ziggy had said that that's like the one thing that she's scared of is snake and now we see the snake like crawling towards poor Ziggy as she's trying to like stay calm but it doesn't matter because as that's happening Tommy grabs her by the hair and fucking like attacks her Nick jumps in to save her and he ends up like hitting Tommy in the leg I mean hitting Nick in the leg with the axe but that gives Ziggy enough time to run and Nick tells her to run away and go get on the bus because there's a bus that everybody was getting on to get away from the killer but Ziggy misses the bus so now she's fucking stuck so back with Cindy and Alice they're like okay we gotta find another other way out but Cindy's nose then starts bleeding and Alice points out how another thing about Sarah fears that when she is near blood will fall so Cindy's like okay Alice like come with me and Alice is like I'm injured I'm gonna keep you up you have to like I'm gonna hold you up you have to go save your sister so go on without me I'll catch up eventually so Cindy ends up running ahead and she finds this grate and it turns out that this grate is directly under the mess hall which conveniently Ziggy now runs into the mess hall and Tommy follows so we see Ziggy hiding and Tommy is just like axing the door that he knows that Ziggy is behind and as that's happening Cindy is kicking the grate to try to get in so Tommy finds Ziggy and Ziggy manages to stab him he punches her a fight and ensues and as this fight is ensuing mind you remember in the first movie obviously the axe man we know had a sack on his head at this point he doesn't we can still see that it's tommy but during the fight 
Ziggy reaches behind her as Tommy's strangling her and grabs this sack and puts it on his head to try and suffocate him. So now he becomes the masked killer. And as he comes towards Ziggy about to stab her with the axe, Alice makes it out in the nick of time and stabs him three times as she's saying, fuck you. And Tommy drops dead and Ziggy just looks at Cindy and is like, you swore because obviously Cindy is just like this good little church girl and she can't believe that she even said fuck you. So now the two of them have a moment and Cindy apologizes to Ziggy for not being there and they reconcile and as they're doing that, Alice comes through the gate so she's made it up too and Alice and Cindy hug and they kind of reunite. And Alice is like, yeah, I also have something to show you. And it turns out that Alice, when she was left behind, found Sarah Fear's hand under Satan's stone in air quotes, but it was under the stone that they were near. So at this point, they're like, okay, well, like legend has it that Sarah's body is still buried out by the hanging tree, which is where she was killed. So if we reunite body and hand, like Nurse Lane said, we can save Shadyside. So they have the hand, they're looking at it, it's on the table. It's obviously just like completely bone by now but Ziggy all of a sudden her nose starts bleeding and she bleeds on the hand and as she bleeds on the hand she starts to have these flashbacks again like she has this image of like the tree and she has the image of like Sarah and when she comes to she's like I just saw the witch and she was angry back underground we see that like heart beating creature now morphing and we see names on the rock the names that are on the rock bleeding and we also see Tommy's dead body but his hand starts to twitch so then they're talking about going out to the tree and digging up Sarah's body and reuniting the hand with the body and Cindy wants Alice to stay behind because she's hurt and Alice just starts talking about like all of her trauma and like her parents being so fucked up and basically how like she's there like she's going to end this shady side curse she has to do it for herself she has to do it for Arnie but as this is happening Tommy shows up and fucking axes Alice and Cindy in a fit of rage takes a shovel and fucking decapitates him with it so Cindy goes to Alice's body and Alice literally like dies in her arms and as that's happening we hear Ruby Lane singing in the fucking distance so once again the killers are coming back and when we saw like the heart beating creature morphing it was the bodies coming back together and reanimating so now it's just Ziggy and Cindy left so they run to the hanging tree and they start digging for Sarah's body and as they're doing that we see the killers closing in on them from every direction there's like five or six of them and they're digging and they get to something but it's just a rock that just says the witch forever lives so the body is not there so now they realize that they're fucked because they just like leave the hand there and they have no body to reunite the hand with so they can't end the curse so the two of them get up to run but again the killers are literally coming at them from all directions and they're closing in even closer and they realize that Ziggy's the one that bled on the hand, so they're after her. And Cindy at this point makes Ziggy run and she basically sacrifices herself. So she attacks the Tommy, who's the axe killer, we now know. But as Ziggy is running away, she runs into another killer and gets stabbed. And as she's getting stabbed, Cindy is getting axed. And the two of them are just getting fucking stabbed and axed to death directly next to each other. And as they both lay dying, they look at each other and Cindy tells her nothing will pull us apart. And Ziggy says, never and they both die now again from what we heard from the last movie we know that c berman died and came back to life and now we flash back to the present well 1994 and we see c berman telling the story and she says that was 5900 and something days ago and my sister was dead and so was i and we flash back to 1978 and we see nick showing up and giving ziggy cpr and we hear uh, an overhead voice basically of C. Berman just saying like most days I wish I stayed dead and as she says that we see Ziggy wake up 
So the whole time they had us fooled thinking that C. Berman was Cindy Berman, but it turns out that Ziggy's real name is Christine, which we now find out as she's being wheeled into an ambulance and Nick is like, her real name is Christine, which that was a good touch. I did like how they did that because like you knew one of them was going to die, obviously, but I thought the whole time that Cindy was going to end up being C. Berman. So we see Ziggy being put in the ambulance and she looks at Nick and is basically just like, it was the witch's curse. And in the present, we see adult Ziggy, who we now know is Ziggy, basically saying that Cindy sacrificed herself for nothing and she thought that Nick was different but he wasn't because he had a destiny and we see a flashback of Nick as a young kid like telling the cops Tommy just went crazy so he like told Ziggy that he believed in the curse but when it comes actual time to it he's going to deny it and adult Ziggy is just saying like I couldn't see him again after that and there's no way to end the curse basically guys so like you're all fucked and we also see a flashback because again like in the chaos when they didn't find the body they left the hand and it started to rain and in the rain the hand fell into the hole that they dug to try to find the body so now present day Dean is like well I know you're saying that we can't end the curse but I have to tell you we found the fucking body so we have to go get the hand and bring it to the spot where we now know that the body is. And it turns out that hanging tree is still in existence. However, it is now the centerpiece of the Shady Side Mall. So the next shot is of Dina and Josh going to the tree at the Shady Side Mall and digging and they find the fucking hand. So back at Ziggy's, we see her call Nick. We don't find out what she says to him, but she calls him for help. So Dina and Josh now take the hand and they go to where the body's buried um, in the woods. And as she's going to put like reunite hand and body and thinking that she's going to end the curse, she sees flashes of like Kate and Simon and Sam basically thinking of like the people who have died and thinking about Sam and she puts the hand back and the moment she does that she has this flashback where she becomes Sarah Fear so we see Dina over this bucket of water and she looks in the water and she sees Sarah so like obviously she's Sarah but Dina is now like in her shoes and that's it movie ends but that brings us directly into Fear Street 1666 and this is where the story so beautifully comes together so Fear Street 1666 is basically like two movies in one, but we'll get to that later. So this movie opens up exactly where the last movie left off. So we see Dita, Dina with a bloody knife. She's looking over this like trough full of water and she can see that she's Sarah. So obviously we now know that Sarah or Dina is experiencing what Sarah experienced. And playing the other characters are all of the actors that have already been in these movies. So like Josh is now playing this guy named Henry. So Henry comes out and calls to Sarah, aka Dina, and he's like, come quick. And they go to the barn and it's a pig. It's a pig giving birth. So that's why Dina or Sarah, I'm just going to refer to them as their names from this movie. So that's why Sarah is covered in blood. So Sarah ends up getting the pig to give birth to seven little piglets, all healthy. And then it cuts to Sarah having a conversation with her father. And they're talking about how Sarah doesn't want to marry Solomon Good. And whoever this Solomon Good is, they're talking about how he's had some bad fortune. He lost his wife and his child. So now Sarah sets off into town and she walks by somebody who is, we know as Kate from the first movie, but Kate is now playing somebody named Lizzie. And she says to Kate or Lizzie, a full moon, Moon rises before nightfall to which the response is a good night to enjoy the fruits of the land so it seems that this is a code for something and that this means that there's some event going on tonight and then Sarah runs into who we know from the past movies as Sam but Sam is now playing Hannah and the way that Hannah and Sarah are interacting you can tell that there's some sort of like romance or something between them and Hannah's mom comes out who is played by Sam's mom and she still fucking hates Dina slash Sarah so she tells like Hannah to get away from her and brings her back in the 
house. Tommy from the second movie is the only person who still has the same name. So Tommy is still Thomas and he tells uh, Sarah, he's like, I see all of your dark secrets. So basically like, I know you're a fucking lesbian. God forbid it's 1666. So now we see Sarah go to visit Solomon and she brings him one of the little piglets that the pig just had and she he says the full moon phrase to her and Sarah kind of plays dumb and Solomon says to Sarah like nothing good happens in the woods after nightfall so now we definitely know that this like whole code is something for a secret party or something in the woods so now nighttime comes and we see Hannah Lizzie and Sarah walking off into the night and they're talking about this witch and or they call her the widow and they're saying that she drinks the blood of virgins and she fixed this girl Abby with witchcraft and Solomon even went to her to try to like save his wife but it was too late but regardless they end up going to her house because they're trying to find these berries so they go there and the widow's not there so they're like all right spread out and try to find the berries but meanwhile sarah finds this witchcraft book and it has all these like demons names in them so she's reading the names out loud and as she's doing that the widow comes up behind her and says the veil has grown thin the devil lives in that book and now he senses you because you just read those fucking names out loud so the widow kind of like freaks out and tells the three of them to get out. So they all run away and it turns out there is a party in the woods. So we see a bunch of like younger people in the woods. They're drinking, they're kissing, they're dancing. And then Lizzie comes and gives everybody these berries. And it turns out these are like hallucinogenics. So everybody's having a grand old time. And this fucking disgusting guy named Caleb shows up and grabs Hannah. And he's like, come into the woods with me. Like you're a tease, blah, blah, blah. And she clearly wants nothing to fucking do with this disgusting man. So Sarah shows up and like pushes him away and slaps him and saves him. Hannah and like embarrasses this guy about his like small dick or whatever. So now Sarah and Hannah run off and we see them like again obviously we knew there was something romantic here and they're kind of like touching each other and they know they shouldn't and they keep saying that this isn't good but they eventually end up kissing and they're like making out and we see that somebody is watching them from the woods so they hear like a twig snap and they see somebody run off so now they like panic and they run into town and hannah's like somebody saw us like they're gonna hang us for this because again 1666 so if you're gay like god forbid you're the fucking devil basically and sarah makes this comment that was like i don't really fucking care if they hang us because i was not alive before now anyway and they kiss again and we see now that thomas is seeing them kiss and thomas is a conniving fucking hoe so whatever the next morning rolls around and we see sarah trying to find her dog but she can't find him but then meanwhile she gets distracted because hannah comes in and says there's something wrong with my father and hannah's father is the pastor whose name is cyrus miller so sarah goes back to hannah's house with her and they see him and he's just like kind of catatonic he's looking off into space he's distracted he's whispering and fucking hannah says probably what i find to be the scariest part of this whole trilogy because she says it's as if something crawled in and put on father's skin and i don't know why that just gives me such fucking goosebumps like the thought of something just taking over i don't know the way that that's put really just like sends a chill down my spine so then hannah's telling her like nobody can know you were here because i'm not to see you anymore because my mother senses our wickedness like she suspects our wickedness she suspects something's up and then she looks at sarah and is like did we cause my father's sickness because we like fucking copulated and that's a sin basically and as that's happening hannah's mother comes home and grabs sarah and she says exactly what sam's mom said to dina in the first movie which is will you not stop until you've ruined her life she blames sarah for basically corrupting her daughter and then she throws her out and she sees like sarah is now thrown out on the ground and she sees the whole town just watching her so now sarah comes home and her father kind of confronts her and they talk about like her 
mother being dead and whatnot. And Sarah goes into the kitchen to see that all their food has rotted and gone bad. And then she hears Henry calling her from outside. And when she runs outside to the shed, she sees that the pig ate all the piglets. Bit of animal cruelty coming up here. I should have said that a little bit before, but so the pig ate, like the mother pig ate all of her fucking babies and there's just like blood and everywhere around and Sarah ends up grabbing an ax and killing the pig. So now Sarah's walking through town. She sees Simon. I don't know what Simon's name is in this one. I don't think we ever find out, but whatever. So, so whoever the actor that played Simon is now playing a different character, but we see him bite into an apple and it's completely rotten. We see horses going crazy. We see everybody in the town like around the well because the well is clogged and they pull up a dead dog out of the well and it turns out that it's Sarah's dog and that's why she couldn't find him earlier. So now everyone's freaking out because their water supply is poisoned and Thomas starts saying that someone's sin has welcomed the devil to union and that's the only explanation for all of these things happening. So now the town's kind of in an uproar and meanwhile Sarah meets with Solomon again and Solomon gives her like a knife sheath and Sarah's like okay I have to tell you about something and he tells like she tells Solomon about the night before and explains that she saw figure in the trees that night and basically Sarah now has become convinced that it's her fault like she was born wicked and she thinks that she saw the devil in the woods and she thinks that the devil is in her and that's why she's attracted to women god the 1600s was just a terrible fucking time to be alive so Solomon's like okay well like nobody really invites like summons the devil by chance and like it seems like you were just like dilly dallying with Hannah like it's really not a big deal and Sarah's basically like okay well like it wasn't just a dalliance because like I love her basically as they're having this conversation though they get to distracted by screaming outside so they go to see what's up and they find out that the pastor has locked all the children in the town in the meeting house all the doors are locked all the parents are outside screaming there's no way to get in so solomon and a couple other guys end up breaking down one of the side doors and solomon goes in and is like keep everybody back like we don't really know what we're gonna see and he approaches the pastor who is like on his podium whispering like unintelligible stuff and there's like all these bodies sitting in the pews but they're motionless it's all the kids and as Solomon goes to approach the pastor, he finds a pile of eyeballs on the floor, gouged out fucking eyeballs. So he goes up to the pastor who looks up and we see that the pastor's fucking eyes are gouged out so this guy gouged out his own eyes and then we look around and we see all the kids dead with their eyes gouged out as well and the pastor is saying some sketchy shit like i couldn't see before but now i can see everything so like ziggy is now constance in this movie so her sister comes in and finds her dead sarah finds henry dead everybody's screaming and in the chaos cyrus the pastor goes to attack sarah but solomon kills him but because obviously he went to like specifically attack sarah the whole town is like it's a witch she's a witch fucking witchcraft because again it's the 1600s and that seems to be the explanation for everything so then we cut to later that night and there is a meeting of the men in the meeting house because again 1600s women didn't have a say and they're all kind of just like riling each other up like they're saying that cyrus was possessed and somebody must pay for this and thomas says that he saw girls dallying and he's like basically talking about how there was like this festival or this thing happening in the woods and Simon is like yeah we were in the woods and we danced and we drank but like we didn't sin we're just like young people having fun but it doesn't matter because nobody's listening to him and they're all like in hysterics and they're like look at your children they'll have the devil's mark and then we see a image of like Lizzie getting stripped by her mother and like they're looking for marks now on their skin and there's just basically an absolute fucking mutiny happen happening in the meeting house and Solomon's the only one that seems to have any sort of fucking logic because he's like this is all speculation you're talking about imagined curses nobody has any proof of anything but then that's when caleb that dumb raping motherfucker stands up and is like 
well, I actually have proof. And mind you, I say raping motherfucker because he's the one that tried to like drag Hannah off into the woods and said that she was teasing him. So now this motherfucker comes out and says that Hannah led me into the woods. She was naked. She made me watch as both of them laid with the devil. And they're like, everybody's like both of them. And he says, yes, Hannah and Sarah fear. They are witches, which he's just mad because Sarah embarrassed him for having a small dick in front of everybody else, which like, dude, get over it. So now that starts this whole onslaught of everybody else in the town being like, actually, yeah, I saw Hannah and Sarah with the devil. So now Caleb turns and sees the two girls watching outside because they are and they hear all of this going down. And the whole fucking town goes out in like an angry mob and starts chasing after them. And as they're doing that, Hannah falls and Sarah manages to run away and they grab Hannah. They're like checking her for marks. They're like tearing all of her clothes off and they ultimately end up tying her up and this angry mob is like okay we got one of them and now we have to go find sarah fear so now we see this whole montage of like sarah sneaking away in the night and all of these men chasing after her she sees her father like late like drunk outside of their house and she sees this guy with a gun like guarding a house and she manages to throw a stone and distract him and she goes in and she sees hannah tied up like completely chained up and hannah tells her i'm set to hang tomorrow like you need to get away you need to run and hannah goes on to explain how she thinks that she summoned the devil here and sarah's like no you fucking didn't and hannah's like we did because if they think we're guilty we're guilty it doesn't matter and this is when sarah kind of has this revelation and she's like you're right and you know what fuck this if it's a witch they want it's a witch they're gonna get so she starts to tell hannah how she's gonna go back to the widow and she's gonna make a deal with the devil hannah's trying to talk her out of it and sarah's like i don't fear the devil i fear union and i fear the people who would accuse me i fear your mother who's gonna let you hang and again this is when she says if they want a witch i will give them a witch and she goes to the fucking widow's house However, when she goes to the widow's house, all she finds is the widow murdered, throat slit. So she now realizes that there is somebody in the town that's doing some fucking sketchy shit because the book of like the demon names and everything is also gone. So she actually runs to Solomon because it seems like he's the only one in town logical and the only one that's going to believe her. And she tells him that the widow was killed and there was a book with an incantation near her. And it seems that someone has struck a deal with the devil and they exchanged our town in exchange for like power or something. And Solomon's like, okay, like I believe you. But as they're having that conversation, conversation Caleb and the angry mob show up because they're searching everybody's houses for Sarah so Solomon tells Sarah to hide Caleb comes in and is like trying to search the house a fight ensues between the two of them they're kind of arguing and as that's happening Sarah finds this like trap door and she goes down it which brings her to like underneath the house and we see shit that we've seen in the last two movies because we find the witch's mark symbol on the ground and we also see the stones where the names are written but obviously this is 1666 we don't see all the names on them but we do see one name carved into the stone and that name is cyrus miller the pastor that just killed all of the town's children now around these symbols in the name there's like a head of a goat and there's the book with all of the demons and demon names in it from the widow and now we get a flashback to what actually happened we see solomon chanting all of the demons names we see solomon good killing the widow we see him stealing her book and we see that he was the one that was watching hannah and sarah in the woods and now the creature that we've seen with the beating heart from the first two movies we see that being created so solomon comes down and obviously sees that sarah has discovered this so now he's like oh fuck well i've been caught and he explains basically that he did this whole thing for power and prosperity and legacy 
So again, his name is Solomon Good. So the legacy of all these goods being the sheriff and being the mayor. And he's explaining to Sarah, like, it's a small price to pay one soul in return for all of this prosperity and all of this power. One person every few years, it's a small price to pay. To which Sarah is like, what the fuck are you talking about, dude? Like, this one soul kills a bunch of other innocent souls. Like, the pastor just killed 12 fucking children. And Solomon basically is like, uh, nobody is innocent because you're like me and we're weird and we're outcasts and the town doesn't fucking trust us so nobody in this town is innocent anyway and as he's like approaching her and telling her this she stabs him so she wounds him but he manages to knock her out with a rock but she comes to and she runs and she he grabs the knife and chases her so now they're in the same cavern that the girls were in from the second movie so sarah's running she sees the like heart beating creature and she comes across a room with the hole or opening above it in the ceiling which we know from the second movie was an opening to the outhouse obviously this is 1666 so that didn't exist yet but regardless she sees an opening and she sees like moonlight shining through it so she goes to climb for it but before she can even make it halfway up Solomon comes out of fucking nowhere and grabs her so he's on top of her the two of them are struggling and at this point he says some weird shit because he's like I love you Sarah don't make me hurt you and it's like okay you fucking absolute weirdo obviously Sarah keeps trying to fight him off and as she's doing this he goes to stab her she puts up her hand in self-defense and he stabs directly through her wrist and now her hand is like hanging on by a fucking thread and at one point he grabs it and her hand fucking rips off so that's how Sarah Fear's hand got cut off she didn't fucking cut it off herself so she manages to run away she wraps up her now bleeding amputated hand and she comes across this crawl space and she kicks the trap door so again in the last movie we know that this was above the mess or this was underneath the mess hall now it's underneath the meeting house so she kicks through this trap door and she ends up in the meeting house and she goes to come outside and she comes face to face with hannah who's like still tied up but before she can even process what's happening solomon comes up behind her and grabs her and is like i found the witch i found the witch this conniving trifling motherfucker so now all the townspeople and the angry mob come to the center and they drag sarah and hannah to the hanging tree and they tell them to confess and this is when sarah looks at everybody and she says i confess i've walked with the devil i laid with the devil and i bewitched hannah it was only me meanwhile hannah's like screaming and crying telling her no because obviously she's fucking lying to save hannah and it doesn't matter because solomon comes up behind her and like covers her mouth and they end up letting hannah go so solomon comes up to sarah and he's like putting the noose around her neck and sarah is whispering to solomon she's like the truth will come out the truth shall be your curse i will shadow you forever and i will never let you go and solomon thinks he got away with it because at this point he did and he fucked fucking hangs her and Sarah Fear dies. So now we see the group like or the mob, whatever you want to call them, burying her directly underneath this tree. But Lizzie, Hannah, and the other like friends of Sarah end up moving her because they're like, she deserves a proper burial, a proper burial. We can't let her stay here. So they dig her up and in her place, they put the rock in there that says the witch forever lives. So that's the rock that they found in 1978 when they went to go find her body because everybody still thinks that Sarah's body was hidden there. They didn't know that these people moved it. So they take her body and they move it, which obviously ends up being the woods. We know where it is in the woods. But they go to move her body and Hannah puts this like flower crown on her 
and they bury her. And it turns out that that moss that grows around is like the same moss or the same flowers that was on the crown that she was buried with. So now we hear Sarah Fear's voice saying, I will show them what you've done. And we're seeing everybody having flashbacks. So like when everybody was bleeding and they were having those glimpses and flashbacks, that was Sarah attempting to show them what actually happened. And the last image we see from 1666 is after Sarah was hanged, Hannah crying at her feet, and then we switch to present times. So back in present time, we pick up where the last movie left off, which is Dina like putting the hand on the body, and now she's seen the truth, so she knows what went down. But as she comes to, she hears a police siren, and of course, it's none other than Sheriff Good, who she now knows is the fucking villain, and this is when the movie cuts to 1994 part two. So that's what I mean when I said this is like two movies in one. So Josh is kind of like being the lookout on the road, and the sheriff approaches him and is like, hey, what's going on? And he doesn't really know how to respond. And out of nowhere, fucking Dina pulls up and pulls Josh into the woods and Sheriff Good grabs his gun and chases them. As they're in the woods, Josh is like, Dina, what the fuck are you doing? I don't know if I just called her Dina or Sarah. I can't keep up, but it's Dina. And Josh is like, Dina, what the fuck are you doing? And she like briefly explains that the sheriff is the fucking villain. And meanwhile, the sheriff is trying to say like, oh, Dina's having a breakdown. Like, don't worry. But Dina looks at Josh and is like, good is evil. So they manage to sneak away from him and they actually get in his police car and drive off. And at this point, Dina's explaining how good made a deal with the devil, like way back when his great, great, great grandfather, whatever, made a deal with the devil, framed Sarah Fear. And now good like gives a name to the devil and in exchange exchanges shady ciders and basically gets whatever he wants the devil feeds on the blood of the shady ciders that are sacrificed and it continues to get worse as sunnyvale gets better so shit like nick good is the sheriff his brother gets to be the mayor one good from every generation has passed down the curse so then we see like flashbacks of the same actor who plays Nick just like dressed in a bunch of different costumes and different hairstyles and stuff like all sacrificing one person. So they like kneel in front of the stone and one says like Ruby Lane, one says Ryan Torres, whatever. One says Tommy's name. So they choose the person that gets carved into the stone that ends up then going crazy and killing everybody. And Dina explains how Sarah was the only one who ever figured out the truth and the killers have been coming after us, not because of Sarah, but they've been coming after us because they know that Sarah was trying to show us the truth and they wanted to stop that from happening and now back underground in that creepy fucking beating heart creature we see like the killers reanimating once again and coming back together so josh and dina go back to ziggy's house and they like explain to her the whole thing and she's absolutely fucking shocked we're having like flashbacks to her and nick as kids she can't believe it and ziggy's like i called him because i thought that he could help so he's like on his way here we need to get the fuck out so they leave and they're like we have to kill him it's that's the only way to stop the curse like it wasn't reuniting sarah's body in hand the only way to stop it is by killing good because he's the fucking root of all of this so they drive off and they find marty mind you in the first movie marty was like tied up in the police station and Josh ended up like slipping him a paperclip so he paperclip so he could get out of his handcuffs and he was like I owe you one so Josh now goes to Marty's and is like hey yeah you owe me one do you want to help us kill Sheriff Good and Marty just goes let me get my coat Marty's a king so he goes along with Josh Ziggy and Dina and they all go to the shady side mall to set their trap and their plan is basically foolproof because essentially what they're going to do is in Ziggy's words they're going to carry him so C-A-R-R-I-E him meaning sheriff good so you know how in malls every store has those gates that shut down so basically they jimmy rig those and they have like ropes tied to them and their plan is there to they're going to create like trails of dina's blood so same thing they did with sam and they know obviously that that works so they're going to create trails of dina's blood 
leading the killers into the stores. And then once the killers get into the stores, they're going to close them and lock them in using those gates. And then they're going to get Sheriff Good there, dump a bucket of Dina's blood on him, and then unleash the killers and have them kill Sheriff Good. So it's a great idea. So there's a sequence of them getting everything together. They have like glow-in-the-dark paint. And Dina basically makes this speech that's just like, this ends here. We are the only ones that have gotten this far. They fill up these Nerf guns with the mixture of like blood and water and glow-in-the-dark paint. So they're ready to fucking go. They are locked and loaded. So now the four of them go to hide and they hear somebody walk in and they assume that it's one of the killers, but it turns out that it's the police and it's not Sheriff Good, but it's a couple of his police officers. So they're like trying to explain to them. Ziggy is like, if you don't let us do this, you're going to die. And Marty's just like, shut the fuck up, put your hands up because he's also black. So he just puts his hands up and is just being super nice. And Ziggy's just like, nope, you're going to die. And out of nowhere, one of the killers, I think this is the one that they reference as the milkman. He's like super fucking creepy looking. He looks like a doll, but he's not. Uh, but he comes up behind the cop and he stabs him. The second cop comes up and tries to shoot him, which obviously we know doesn't work. So then the killer turns around and kills that cop too. So then the rest of them, so Josh, Marty, and uh, Ziggy post up at the ropes where the gates are. And the plan works exactly as they planned it to. So the killers walk right into the stores and they manage to pull the ropes in the nick of time and trap them all in. So now all the killers are at the gates, like they're kind of shaking them. It's super loud. But then all of a sudden they get really quiet and Dina looks at them and is like, it's him, meaning it's Sheriff Good. And sure enough, Good shows up and comes face to face with Ziggy. So he walks up to Ziggy. There's this like beautiful shot of like them face to face. And then it takes a flashback to them face to face as kids. And then she just looks at him and she pulls a fucking rope and the bucket pours on top of him and all of Dina's blood is all over him. And they open the fucking floodgates and all the killers walk out. But of course, if it all went according to plan, that would just be way too easy. And once again, it's a freaking horror movie. So of course, that's not going to happen. So Nick runs after after Ziggy and grabs her and he's like, well, Dina, if I die, then she dies too because now your blood is on her and I'm going to hold her here. So as that's happening, Skull Mask comes up behind Good, grabs him and then another one of the killers grabs Ziggy. So Dina sees this and she's like, all right, fuck this. So she cuts herself and starts bleeding. And as that's happening, Good manages to get away. But Ziggy also gets away and her, Marty and Josh like lock themselves in one of the store. Ziggy takes off the top that's covered in Dina's blood so the killers don't come after her. But Dina's had enough of this motherfucking bullshit. So she chases after Sheriff Good and now he goes underground into where the caverns are. So we've seen this before, of course, and Dina follows him. Back in the mall, the three of them have this actually brilliant idea where they take the Nerf guns and they spray the killers with the blood from the Nerf guns and the killers all just start fucking attacking each other and like tear each other to pieces. But in the midst of that chaos, we also see Sam, who, mind you, is still possessed and she was like left alone behind a counter in the food court. She gets out of her bindings and she escapes and they just see her run off and she goes underground to follow Dina. Now with Dina, as she's walking through the cavern, she's having flashbacks of what actually happened. And then back up in the mall, we see Ruby Lane show up because she wasn't there initially and also one of the baseball kid killers. He was like some kid with a creepy mask and a baseball bat that killed a bunch of people by beating them to death. They show up and the group goes to shoot them with the Nerf guns and they realize that they are out of blood. So Josh attacks Ruby to prevent her from going down and following Dina. And as that's happening upstairs, we see downstairs or underground Sam attacking Dina. So Sam is literally on top of Dina strangling her, but she has this like moment of clarity when Sam or when Dina manages to say to her, it's me. And she comes to for literally a second, but it's enough time for Dina to be able to push her off of her. And back upstairs as Ruby is going to stab Josh, poor Josh, and she also breaks his arm, Ziggy ends up shooting her in the head, which again, we know that these killers don't die, but it at least buys them enough time to run away. Back underground, uh, 
Dina comes face to face with Sheriff Good and they get into a fight and Nick stabs Dina in the fucking stomach. Back upstairs, all the killers reanimate and Ziggy goes to shoot them and realizes that she's out of bullets because, of course, again, it's a horror movie and nothing can ever go well. Underground, Sheriff Good is telling Dina that she's going to be framed for all of this. He's like, you're going to be the one that's going to be held responsible for killing Josh, killing Ziggy and killing Marty and killing all of your friends and including Sam. But as he's on top of her giving this little bitch ass fucking speech, she grabs his hand and forces him to put his hand on the creature that has the beating heart. And as he does this, he sees everything he sees all the pain that he's caused and that all of his ancestors have caused he hears sarah fear's voice telling solomon the truth will be your curse and then he looks around and he sees all the dead bodies all of the victims that his ancestors have created back upstairs in the mall we see the killers slowly closing in on the three of them that are left up there so marty josh and ziggy and like it's hopeless there's no way that they can fight them off at this point but before they can make it and while nick good is distracted by the ghostly apparitions of all of the victims that his bloodline has created dina shows up in front of him and stabs him in the motherfucking eyeball and the moment she does that the killers all burst into like swarms of flies and upstairs, they're all like, holy shit, she did it because he's fucking dead. This motherfucker's dead. We see the creature with the beating heart like disintegrate. Dina runs over to Sam, who now comes to and obviously is no longer possessed. And the two of them like reunite. And then Dina uncovers that underneath her clothes, she had this body armor made of books. So that's why when Nick stabbed her, she like didn't even fucking flinch. So Sam and Dina now walk through the cavern to get out and they come across uh, the room where like all those rocks with the names written on them were and they see all of the names slowly disappearing. And then they also look at the ground where the witch's mark is and they see the witch's mark disappearing. So the curse has finally been broken. Now they go through a trap door that they see and they end up in this like beautiful like mansion, this big ass house and it's all bright and they have no idea where they are until they get into a living room and we see on the wall there is hanging a family tree of Solomon Good. So this is obviously Sheriff Good's house and he's literally been attached to this fucking cavern. So this is how he's been getting in and out and doing all of his curses and spells and whatever fucking weird shit he's been doing down there. So they step out the front door of this house and across the street they see neighbors, a man and wife and I want to say that this is the mayor so I think this is Mayor Good and his wife and he gets in his car and as he goes to back up a trash truck comes out of no or a garbage truck i don't know why the fuck i said trash truck a garbage truck comes out of nowhere and fucking hits his car and obviously this is in sunnyvale where nothing bad ever happens and we can clearly see that bad things are going to start happening here now so a little time passes not sure how much but we see josh and dina at home josh has a cast around his broken arm and we hear the news on and on the news they are saying that there is more and more evidence showing up that sheriff good was a serial killer and he's the one that's been responsible for everything so the town is finally coming to know the truth just like sarah fear said so Josh and Dina get in the car and they're driving to school and on the way out there's a note from their dad so we kind of get the idea that even their dad is like no longer an alcoholic and he's doing better and then we get this shot of Ziggy going to see Nurse Lane who's obviously now older but she gives her her book back and they hug it's like a really sweet moment and at the school we see that on the marquee it is uh, there's a thing that says in loving memory of Simon, Kate and Heather so like Simon and Kate are no longer painted as these junkies that were responsible for the deaths of all these people and like they're finally being memorialized. Meanwhile, this is like a funny scene. Marty's outside and he's trying to sell these devices that are basically like a giant Walkman and everybody's like making fun of him for it. And this one girl who's like super nerdy is like, well, that doesn't work because I don't know, some like nerd terms that I don't really know. But Josh like looks at her 
and is like kind of shocked and you can tell he's like into her and she writes on his cash she's like hit me up on this chat room if you ever want to talk and it turns out that that's the fucking girl that he's been talking to in the chat room since the first movie like queen of darkness or whatever her name is and we get a shot of sam and dina in the woods and they're at the spot where sarah fear's body was and we see them carve uh sarah fear the first shady cider so now everybody's found out the truth sarah fear was not a witch she was not evil and she actually was framed and the two of them kiss and it's a happy ending or so we think because then the credits start to roll but as the credits start to roll we see this alternative scene and we're being brought into the shady side mall so we see the door we see the tree we see the door that sheriff good ran through we see the grate that we know goes underground and then we get underground and we see all this like crime scene tape and everything and there's numbers marking off evidence and one of the numbers is on this book and it's obviously the book it's like a witch's book because it has the witch's mark on it and the final scene that we see is the camera zooming in on this book and as it zooms in closer we see hands come in the screen and grab the book and take it and that's it the movie ends so to me this set it up perfect for a sequel or at least like an additional trilogy i don't know some sort of follow-up but i don't believe that we're getting that we are getting a fourth fear street movie that actually just came out recently but from everything that i've seen about it it actually doesn't seem to be connected to this trilogy at all it is like a completely separate standalone entity and it's going to be based on rl stein's the prom queen which like i don't really know why you would name it fear street um i mean i guess i do know it's based on the fact that the first three were super successful so people are just going to watch anything associated with it so something that we realize in the third movie and that's why i love these movies like the way that they're all interconnected and like we don't realize this obviously until the third movie but in the first movie when kate drops off the kids that she's babysitting to a neighbor that neighbor actually is nurse mary lane but of course we wouldn't recognize her as an older woman until the final movie at the very end Another Another little fun fact about this movie that I like because I actually did a TikTok recently about the whole like bread slicer scene and people are saying like, yeah, you know, like a head couldn't go through that, whatever. So the director slash co-writer Lee Janiak, I don't know if that's how you say her last name, but the art department tried to convince her that a head would never be able to go through a bread slicer and she was adamant that it would work and they had to do this. And they tried to actually prove her wrong and took a watermelon and went to go put it through a bread slicer thinking that it wasn't it wasn't going to work and it fucking worked. So who knows? knows it's very possible that that would work but this movie created a new fear of bread slicers that i did not know existed before so that whole scene and like the whole supermarket thing is also a tribute to 1989's intruder which again if you follow me on tiktok like you've probably heard me talk about that movie because i i think that is honestly like one of the most criminally underrated slashers from the 80s so you know whoever made this movie with all like the tributes they have because even like the scene where tommy is axing the door like that's a tribute to the shiny you can tell whoever created this movie has such a deep love for and I feel like you can see that in people's work, you know, like you can see when they actually appreciate the genre and they're not just like trying to make money off of it. Now for the second movie, they actually borrow pretty heavily from Friday the 13th, including actually filming at the same location that they filmed Friday the 13th part six. They also purposely named a character Tommy to represent the final boy Tommy from the Friday the 13th series. And they actually, the whole like burlap sack, sack thing is a reference to Friday the 13th from the second movie when Jason's wearing the burlap sack. Also in the second movie, I just love little Easter eggs like this. So there's a point where Nick says to Ziggy, because they're talking about the Stephen King books again, and he says like, oh, Stephen King's new book is supposed to be good. And they're actually talking about Stephen King's The Shining because that book had just come out in 1977. And then obviously they, this takes place in 1978. And once again, the scene where Tommy's like axing down the door is purposely from 
Stanley Kubrick's The Shining. Now in the second movie, obviously there's that scene where Nick like revives Ziggy. And while that's happening, The Man Who Sold the World by Nirvana is playing, or I guess by David Bowie originally, but the Nirvana version is playing, I believe. And that's actually meant to foreshadow the reveal that Nick sold everybody out in Shadyside. Well, in reality, like the whole good bloodline has sold out everybody in Shadyside. So there you have it, the Fear Street trilogy. I honestly believe that all three of these movies are like 10 out of 10s for me. Again, like I've just been doing myself a disservice for the past like two or three years by not watching this more than the original time. But at the same time, I'm honestly kind of happy I did that because rewatching it, I had forgotten a lot. Like I honestly totally forgot that like the sheriff was the villain, which it seems like that's something I should have remembered because it was so major. But again, like the first two movies are so heavily focused on the fact that like Sarah fears the villain. So I honestly entirely forgot. So it was almost like watching it for the first time again. And I also forgot just how fucking like gory and visceral these movies are. Like, did they really have to do us like that? Like I was so not expecting it. Don't get me wrong. I love all the blood and gore. It's just like totally not what I expected off of something that was recreated using the books of the same author of fucking Goosebumps. Like, what the hell? I guess I also should have known because me, like many others, was traumatized by Goosebumps as a kid, specifically Slappy. Anyway, there you have it. This is probably going to be an annual rewatch for me again now every year because I just love this so much. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I may, I hope maybe you like picked up on things that maybe you didn't pick up on the first go around. So I'll be back with a new episode next week. Until then, follow me on TikTok and Instagram. You know where to find me at this point, but it's horror underscore chronicles. I post especially on TikTok basically every day. So until next time, watch more horror movies and stay spooky, my friends. Mm -hmm.